Today on the Topping Show with Bud Light Fantasy Playoff Tweet gets a mere 83 likes. Vivek on Over and Schrober gets 1.8 million views, while his view on how Republicans approach abortion topic goes viral as well. Harvard president lost him about $1 billion and is caught with multiple citations of plagiarism, but of course she still gets to keep her job. McDonald's Cosmics opens and one woman waits about four hours at the store. Etsy to lay off about 11% of their staff and Tesla to recall around 2 million vehicles. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and service company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see. That's a joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of December. So, if you click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have McDonald's opening up yet another Cosmics location. Now, it looks like during this beta test, they're going to open up uh, around 10 of these new concept stores. A lot of people, including myself, well, actually, maybe I coined this term, or not that unique, but think of discount Starbucks. So you have the regular McDonald's, which people know for what used to be cheap, fast food, and now it's becoming more and more expensive, thanks to a myriad of reasons, including the astronomical increase in the minimum wage in some areas up to $20 an hour. But nevertheless, this new Cosmics concept is supposed to be even more quack, like more convenience foods. And of course, emphasis on coffee. And it's apparently named after some mascot from the 80s. So they get to play the nostalgia as well. And Americans love nostalgia. That's one of the reasons you see so many fast food logos reverting back to the old designs. I also partially suspect they're doing that because their food was better back then. The quality was you know, a little bit a little higher. And the prices are a lot more competitive back then as well. Nostalgia does sell, let's be honest. Now, this comes to us thanks to Mary at USA Today. And they noted that a woman waited for four hours to try this new Cosmics concept, which is an awkward phrase in and of itself. And let me see here. So this is a specific location. This is, she went to the inaugural opening event, which... I don't, how much time do you have on your hands to go to an, an event of a McDonald's concept coffee shop? I can't help but fathom how little you have going on in your life, but nevertheless, this was at a specific location over in Illinois, granted, obviously not Chicago. Now, it looks like they noted that, quote, the Galactic Restaurant blasted off from the get-go, according to the people who visited it, requiring 20 people between local police and Cosmic staff to direct traffic around the location in Bolingbrook. The town is about 30 miles outside Chicago, a.k.a. a lot safer. <laughs> Although I'm sure I'm sure Chicago, just like the Chicago Bears, they'll be good next year. They'll be safe next year. They'll be good for business next year. <laughs> That's a joke because they've had the same politics for near 100 years, and yet they choose the same thing again and again and again. Now, I still, they do name her. I thought this woman would be so ashamed she would beg the reporters, please do not let the world know I spent four hours of my life going to this new McDonald's concept restaurant. But no, apparently she was very she even gave a voluntary interview instead of regaling herself back to, you know, home, perhaps in shame. 
but nevertheless, it looks like she's maybe even proud of this. Now, this woman described that she waited in line for hours to get the first bites of McDonald's limited chain. And again, they're describing it as a small format beverage-led concept. This gal is named Christina Butchdell Alcas. And of course, it is hilarious the phrasing they use. And every media outlet has a certain spin on things. And it's fascinating to see how you could phrase it. Now, they say she braved the line, which again is a word that's lost all meaning in the United States, bravery. And she was a four-hour drive-through wait to get her hands on some new items. And she actually bragged about them on the Facebook earlier this week. When asked for comments, she said, quote, I didn't realize how long the, the wait would be. And I may not have stayed if I had realized it, unquote. What do you mean you may not? If you knew going in that it was going to be four hours, you still would commit to that? The only possible reason I could see you doing this is if you're a, direct, if you're a reporter on the ground, you got to get the latest scoop, and you want that direct experience, or if you're a shareholder of McDonald's and you want to see what your money is doing. I Let me know in the comments. Would you ever spend four hours, any fast food chain for that matter, to get your first hands on this stuff? Now, it's even more hilarious when she says, quote, I didn't want to miss the opportunity, unquote. Again, they're not serving the fountain of youth. This isn't... They weren't giving out, like, a promo where whoever gets the 38th cup of McDonald's Cosmics, they're the new CEO, or they they win a, a thousand shares of the stock. Like, she... I can't fathom how little her time is worth. Now, they also know that there's no mistaking that McDonald's put extra care into the branding, she said, as Cosmics registered workers wore 1980s-style jean jackets embroidered with a golden cartoon drawing and yellow Cosmics stocking caps. There are also Cosmics-themed vehicles in the parking lot, including a VW Microbus and a branded Jeep Wrangler. Cosmics kept McDonald's iconic yellow colors, but did away the with the equally recognizable red, instead opting for a dark navy blue. She also said, quote, I want to buy some of these Cosmics logo items, like the hat, jacket, and shirt. I wish they could sell them online, unquote. Now, in terms of McDonald's, or I guess this is their micro-concept Cosmics, actually a pretty good idea to have them exclusively for sale physically there, because, again, they're opening up a brick and mortar. I'm sure they'll also have an app and delivery capabilities, but to get people into the store, that's a pretty good idea by McDonald's. When they asked her, what the hell did you order after waiting for four hours to get this magical food? Well, it does sound pretty fancy. This is... If someone were to read this to me, I would probably guess Starbucks because the name is so long and ridiculous and fancy sounding. I would just assume you spent $28 on some flatbread with some sprinkles on it. But nevertheless, the specific order, she said she got a creamy avocado tomato sandwich, a citrus and cream shake, pretzel bites with spicy queso, and a popping pear slush. And of course, McDonald's, they even have a description. Granted, with so many names already in the in the title, one would probably venture to ask, why do you need a description too? But nevertheless, McDonald's menu described the creamy avocado tomato sandwich as an omelet-style egg patty with applewood bacon, creamy avocado tomato sauce, and white cheddar cheese. Al Cass, the gal who waited for four hours in line, she said the pretzel bites were simple and a classic. Now, at first I thought it was ridiculous. This item has three to four or five different names in it. 
And yet they left out the most important thing that Americans worship is bacon. How that is not in the title of the item, master its marketing failed to say the least. Now it looks like the popping pear slush gets its name for the popping candies that come on top, along with the creamed, the whipped cream and options to customize with bursting bubba, syrups and boost shots, unquote, energy shot, vitamin C shot, for or pre-workout shot. There may very well may be two, maybe three people who are buying this product before going to the gym. Maybe three people. But it is hilarious. This just furthers my joke or long reality of Starbucks and other fancy coffees just being a glorified candy bar in a cup. And when you look at the nutrition facts, it's about on par. Now, while she enjoyed the menu items as is, Alkis said customization is encouraged and makes experience unique. Which, yes, that is how you maximize profits as well. They're just copying Starbucks, which, again, if I was a McDonald's shareholder, I'd be happy because this sounds like a pretty, pretty long-term profitable endeavor. Now, she said you can add multiple syrups, dried fruits, sauces, energy shots, immunity boost, and toppings to any item. And, of course, she keeps commenting. She says, quote, Next time, I will definitely try the chocolate soft serve ice cream, the sour tango lemonade, which is lemonade with Yazuzu, and the spicy queso sandwich, unquote. Which, chocolate serve ice cream. Perhaps the most unique value add, will this actually have an ice cream machine that works? What are the odds of that? Some might say 365 million to one or something to that effect. But nevertheless, now when it comes to how much she paid, this is the best part. If you're a McDonald's shareholder, Hold on to your chair because you, you might fall off and enjoy or just exuberate so much happiness hearing this. Now, this customer willingly, and I do not believe she's inebriated, that would explain some of her behavior as waiting you know, for four hours in line and buying all this stuff. But apparently, she's not inebriated. She wasn't drinking a Bud Light or anything like that. Now, in total, it looks like her order came in at $19. And she said that the price meant everyone in her party was able to have one drink and one snack each at least, each at less than $10 per person. Many items were under $4, she said, with her slush drink costing the most in her order at $5.39 for that little drink. Jeez Louise. I can't imagine it. And I think the only downside for the collectors out there is I'm not sure if they're going to give out hunks of Chinese plastic for all the fun toys that people collect religiously. So I don't think that's an option for this particular concept. Let's see here. Final. So again, this does, I mean, from a business perspective, this sounds like McDonald's is going to knock it out of the park. Because again, the most important thing is what's consumer thinking? Where are they, are they willing to pay these prices? Do they want to customize their fancy candy bar in a cup to get that price up to five, six, seven, eight dollars for a freaking drink? And some of these people are more than willing so be interested to see, again, McDonald's wants to expand the traditional McDonald's brand exponentially with thousands of stores in the next 24 months. Now, this one, again, they're starting off with 10 concept stores or, you know, basically as a beta test before they expand the concept further. Now, given this initial feedback, and we'll see those sales figures come in later, it sounds like it's a pretty profitable endeavor. I mean, it might just be a good way for McDonald's to increase their margins as the traditional McDonald's menu is becoming less profitable because their prices are going up 
for a myriad of reasons, including the supply chain, including cost of goods sold with the actual products that they're moving, as well as the exponentially increasing cost of labor in the United States as things get out of hand and people are paying 15, 16, 17, $20 an hour just to put carbonated syrup into a cup or flip a hamburger. It'll be interesting to see what the future of McDonald's is, but this very well might be a way to keep the company long-term profitable as they grow to become an even greater real estate company. Ha! A little bit of a pun if you know McDonald's history and how they really make money. But I partially digress. Other interesting business use, you have Etsy to lay off about 11% of their staff in an effort to stay competitive. Now this comes to us thanks to Sarah Eason at CNBC. Now in terms of, now granted, every time you hear percentages, you know, 50% off good, you know, 50% off is toaster. Well, great, but what's the actual list price? You know, does that mean it's a really good deal or is that just bringing it back to the base reality that everyone sells the same toaster for? That being said, interestingly enough, I think I've only bought one toaster in my life. They're overrated, but nevertheless, in terms of this, you always have to ask yourself, what's the sample size? Well, they're laying off 11% of their staff. Now that equates specifically to around 225 employees. Now, the CEO, Josh Silverman, noted in a letter to employees that the marketplace has more than doubled in size since 2019. However, he noted that today's macro environment and competitive realities call for sweeping changes. Now, the marketplace also updated its fourth quarter guidance and is now expecting its adjusted EBITDA margin to come in between 27 and 28%, up from the previous guidance of 26 to 27%. Now, it is very fascinating to see this is right. We're seeing a lot of stores do this more and more, partially because I think a lot of businesses by default have a good layer of fat that they could trim at any given time. Let's just say I came, I used to work for one of the largest tech companies on the planet. There's a lot of people who had jobs that they really didn't need to have jobs. So I'll just say that much. Now, it, it looks like that'll bring down the headcount to about 1,770 people. That was actually similar to the company's headcount in early 2022 and above 2020 level. And it is fascinating that they're doubling in size, but the additional revenue and additional profit just is not able to support the additional staff that they had been hiring. Now, it looks like the company now expects the gross merchandise sales to decline between 1% and 2% during the period from a year ago quarter and revenue to increase between 2 and 3%, which that's not a big increase, but at the same time, it is better than negative. So there's a little bit of a silver lining if you squint hard enough. Now, they also know that it's expected adjusted EBITDA margin between 27 and 28%. Now, they also know that shares of Etsy closed 2% following this announcement after falling as much as 7% earlier in the day. When asked for additional comment, Silverman, the CEO, said, quote, Etsy is intensely focusing on reigniting growth, driving sales for our nearly 7 million sellers around the world, and delivering value to our stakeholders. Today, we announced that we are reorganizing our internal structure so that we can double down on these efforts, which unfortunately means saying goodbye to approximately 225 of our colleagues, unquote. Which begs the question, how is their actual stock doing? And this, I'm actually surprised that the revenue for them isn't decreasing more because there's a couple articles a few months back, actually, where they're actually increasing the fees for the sellers, thereby making it less profitable to actually sell items and have your own little personal marketplace on the platform. Now, all that being said, their stock is higher than I thought. It's about $81.70 per share. Granted, by the time this is published and, well, shoot, by the time I just looked down at my watch in two seconds from now, the price could very well fluctuate as publicly traded companies do. Now, in terms of their trend, five-year trend, man, that's pretty good. Again, high since starts 2020 when it comes to investing. Jeez Louise. 
Who would have thought you could double your money with Etsy? So in the past five years, their stock has increased 50.35%. Now the downside and the bad news is, well, that's good long-term, but the short-term, not so great. Now, the past one year, they're negative, so they're down at 38.1%. Year to date, they're down at 28.02%. In the past six months, they're down negative 14.01%. Now, interestingly enough, in the past month, they're increased by 19.55%. Past five days, eh, almost break even. They're increased by 3.41%. And of course, in the past day, well, not of course, but in the past day, it looks like they're negative 3%. Looks like they were founded back in way back in the good old 2005. And the last full year revenue we have is 2022 revenue came in at $2.57 billion, which is quite a few. Now, let's see. They also know that Etsy's layoffs will cost between $25 million and $30 million, the bulk of which will be used for severance payments, employee benefits, and other related costs. Company said in the securities filing. Although, over time, the restructuring is expected to, quote, deliver meaningful operational effect efficiencies and cost savings and or cost avoidance, unquote, especially when it comes to salary cost and benefits. The restructuring is expected to be complete by the end of first quarter 2024. As part of the restructuring, Etsy's chief marketing officer, Ryan Scott, will be leaving the company and its position will be consolidated. Really? Interesting. So his position will actually be consolidated under the chief operating officer's role, currently held by Rihanna Mikowski, who is at a former American Express executive. I also know that the human resource manager is leaving, so there's less babysitters. So it'll be interesting to see, again, there's also a couple of issues with Etsy. I mean, one is they increase the rates for the sellers, so it's less attractive to sell on the platform. And two, there's a lot more junk getting on there. A lot of the comments online were comparing Etsy to Timu or Diet Timu, which is an explosively growing e-commerce platform headquartered out of China or Singapore in, in Asia. And the detriment of that platform for a lot of people is that, well, some items just aren't high quality. There's massive volume. And with Etsy, it used to be a place where you get really cool, quirky, unique, handmade things. And it's just becoming, it's getting flooded by a lot of these low quality counterfeit items. So they're kind of losing that unique, cool factor that they used to have a couple years ago. Where, what did I order on there? It's a really specific gift for a bachelor party. It was some nice handmade, homey wedding-like thing for them. And the only way I could find it is when my friends told me, hey, if you want a cool, unique gift, you know, go to Etsy. Or in hindsight, I should just make it myself. But nevertheless, Etsy was, as the youth might say, the quote, unquote, the place to be. So it'll be interesting to see as consumer buying patterns are changing and they're leaving to go to other platforms. Can Etsy pull out of this nosedive and maybe will they attempt to filter out some of the bad sellers or some of the lower quality products? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light Fantasy Playoffs Week gets a mere 83 likes, which, not to brag, but a couple months ago, I did get a video, one of my videos got 100 likes, which I know public schools are all the time low for, you know, math, science, history, ACT score at a third year low, yet the teachers' unions say they deserve more money, but 100 is greater than 83, also known as bigger than. Now, Bud Light... They didn't do much in terms of work here. They just did a simple tweet. They said, quote, 
if you didn't make the fantasy playoffs, we're here for you, unquote. Which I guess implies if you're not a winner, you could at least get highly inebriated and drink Bud Light, which again would be a great example of how you could be, well, no, that would just reinforce this not being a winner if you're to just sit around and drink Bud Light. I don't know how that would soothe your pain because then not only would you have the pain of being not a winner, also known as a loser, but you'd also have the taste of Bud Light in your mouth, which I don't know anyone who's soberly said, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I think I'll have a Bud Light. I, I've never heard anyone bomb, enthusiastically say that. I've had people say it half-heartedly, like if you're at a restaurant and they're broke or you know hard times, they just want a cheap beer, then they'll say it. But even then, you could hear in the tone of their voice that it's a dark time in their life and they're just dead inside at that moment. Now, going to the actual tweet, looks like that got, again, about 17,000 views and a mere 83 likes. And they had eight people retweet it, which is also known as terrible on social media. Now, going to the comments, and of course, Bud Light, they censored a couple. Now, the first comment appears to maybe be real. John B. says, Bud Light has my back. And it's a gif, or as the youth might say, a gif of two Bud Light cans cheersing or clicking each other, and it says cheers. Which, again, they're a huge multinational conglomerate. If you own stock in that company and they pay a dividend, then I would argue they have your back in a way. Although, they haven't really been doing what's best for the shareholders. And actually, so... In that case, they're really not doing that. So they really don't have your back because if you're a shareholder, they've lost billions of dollars in value. And they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars in sales compared to the same period last year, thanks to Bud Light shooting themselves in the foot, perhaps more detrimental in terms of their marketing campaign than Ron DeSantis shooting himself in the high heel boot. Both business blunders of the years, to say the least, or political blunder as well. So I don't know why this person thinks Bud Light has his back. Maybe he works there? Now, uh, we, we look at Mr. John B.'s profile. He did join in September 2011. has 124 followers. Creepy painting as a profile picture. Let me see here. And looks like he is very much, a lot of his posts hate Republicans and talk about, what's that silly game the kids play? The Wordle. So, hates Republicans and likes Wordle. So, I guess this is a real person. I mean, might be mentally vacuous to say the least. But uh, he hates Elon Musk. Okay, so again, may, maybe this is the new Bud Light profile, the new Bud Light client, where it used to be, you know, everyone, both people on left, people light, people in the middle, and now thanks to them sponsoring "quote unquote" all age drag shows, which there's no such thing. Just as there's no such thing as a all ages safe strip club, you would never take a child there either, because they're both sexual by nature, and Perhaps he's, this is again, this is his new, this is a new target demographic. So this appears, just, I mean, doesn't appear to be a robot. So that appears to be one. Now, Bud Light responded to this individual saying always, which, I don't know, if they're always there for him, why didn't they like his tweet? No one liked Mr. Um, Mr. John's tweet saying Bud Light has his back. So not even Bud Light, Bud Light said they had his back, they didn't like his comment? That's the very minimum thing you can do to support someone on the internet. Just liking it, which is a good reminder to like this video as it helps the algorithm, help it share. Also, clicking subscribe would help my enunciation and fix my speaking ineptitudes, perhaps. I'm not a doctor, but worth trying out. So, 
Bud Light didn't even do the bare minimum to support this person. They even like his comment giving them accolades. So Bud Light says they supported him, but no. Now someone by the name of Vamp. It looks like a vampire with a... a this person has a vampire and a mask on their face. And this person says, quote, so close, yet the fridge is so far, unquote. Perhaps insinuating that he is disabled, or perhaps he's just too lazy to go a couple feet to go to the fridge to get Bud Light. Now, that being said, if the incentive is to go to the fridge to get Bud Light, I think most people would probably say, eh, it's a Bud Light. It's actually more of a punishment than a privilege to drink it. So probably wouldn't make a special trip to go get it. Nevertheless, that person did get one like. And looking at this individual's profile, Mr. Vamp ETH, Looks like he joined in 2019, has 500 followers, so it's not a profile that was created last night to make Bud Light look good or give him accolades. It looks like this individual is a mentally vacuous sweepstakes winner, or sweepstakes whore? Someone who just reposts every stupid thing on the Twitter when it comes to, retweet this and we're going to give a $100 gift card to one random a-hole who reposts this. So it looks like he is a serial sweepstakes reposter so that's going to discount his intellect quite a bit someone by the name of caleb ryergan says can't relate that person got four likes of course because yeah bud light does not have your back bud light responded to that person they said want a beer they did get one like for that i don't think he does want that beer let's see so again there are a couple Bobby Brackets says, I need four cases. And Bud Light said, that bad, huh? But saying, but Mr. Bobby Brackett joined 2016. He is a, quote, a Penn State graduate and a horrible gambler. That's his words, not mine. And he has 484 followers. And it looks like, again, a mentally vacuous person who just reposted, oh yeah, you could win a $100 gift card for this random company. Or you could win this, 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 this. Again, a lot of reposting just for the sake of gift cards. Now, let's see here. Going down to the comments that actually get more than one or two likes, we get to the ones made by real people or people with a modicum of intelligence. Presumably that also means they're not drinking about light at the moment. Someone by the name of Mick Quiggs Pig says, quote, I have a fantasy of dressing like a woman and scoring a paid advertising deal with Bud Light, even though I'm a dude, unquote. They got 16 likes and, of course, is in reference to the business blunder of the century of Bud Light hiring Dylan Mulvaney for $185,000. Again, who was a biological man dressing up as a woman. And they put Dylan's face in the can and they shot themselves in the foot and their sales have not recovered since. They got 16 likes. Let's see here. Someone by the name of Cole Bartek says, quote, are you here for us when we submit our entry to the hashtag easy carry contest that, and then never heard from again, unquote, getting four likes, which I can't imagine Bud Light is easy to carry. Lord, truth be told, I haven't actually picked up one of those bottles in years. I would only suppose very similar to some type of radioactive material. If you were to pick up the bottle, your fingertips, they might, I don't know if they would melt out as if you're touching acid, but there would probably be some visceral pain. Heaven forbid you actually consume the product or get some on your lips or on your tongue. Uh, Lord knows what it would do, that might do to your taste buds. 
Now, someone by the name of Wook says, quote, I will still never drink your beer again. The lack of apology is pathetic. I don't have one friend who will ever drink it again either. Dana White can't redeem your failures. Apologize and change course, unquote. And I got 13 likes. Someone by the name of Tom Ferry says, quote, The boycott is still on, unquote, getting two likes. It's Snakes AC sent me, says, quote, or it's actually a picture of Riley Gaines. It says, quote, hashtag stand with Riley, Riley, stand with Riley Gaines, unquote. That person got 25 likes. Who Riley Gaines is a famous collegiate athlete who had her opportunities stolen from her biological man who was actually competing in the women's teams and, of course, crushing all the subsequent records. And they gave that person a bunch of awards and accolades. They told Riley, no, yeah, you just got you just uh, accept this biological man changing in front of you and the team in the women's locker room. And yet that person got millions of dollars in endorsements and awards. Fascinating to see what people are supporting these days. Again, they got 25 likes. Ryan, Jesus is Catholic, says, quote, Dylan was the first in the fantasy playoffs. Am I right? Unquote. Got three likes. John Jones says, quote, will Dylan Mulvaney get any beer? Oh, y'all already sent it. No. Unquote. They got eight likes. Kay Toby says, quote, would rather die of thirst, go woke, go broke, unquote. Nine likes. Jonald the Abhorrent says, quote, all y'all have to do is apologize sincerely. You'll make boatloads, unquote. I got five likes. And I do agree. They would probably, I don't know if they would get the 30% of sales that they've lost week over week, but they would probably recover double digits. I think if they actually come out as a sincere apology, recognize what they did, and say, oh yeah, we're also no longer a sponsor and advocate for child drag shows, I think that would help them. But again, I also don't think that will ever happen because they're so down, so far down the road. Let's see here. Steve Davis says, quote, you still didn't make our fantasy profits. I stay away from you, unquote. Got five likes. Jesse has a meme or a little picture compilation where you have two pictures. One is a picture of Dylan Mulvaney, again, the biological man dressed up in a dress. And it, there's a little, the font says, quote, pretends to be a woman. And subsequently next to that picture is a picture of Bud Light. And the little font says, pretends to be a beer, unquote. They got 35 likes and looks like to be the most popular response by quite a bit. And... Now, I'm actually, the most shocking thing about this post is there's not more censorship. As I'm scrolling more and more and more, I'm not seeing a lot of people giving accolades or actually being positive towards Bud Light. Again, we looked at the two to three that were positive, or at least neutral, and we went to their profiles. They're just people who are already reposting for pretty much any major brand. There really wasn't much consistency or mental capacity. They're just reposting because they might win something for free, which again, Bud Light is notorious for as they've been desperately trying to buy back their previous customer bases. So it'll be interesting to see if Bud Light actually addresses the 500 pound elephant in the room or more accurately, the 89 pound Dilmulvaney in the room, or if they just stick to the course and accept the fact that they're not going to get that 30% of their sales back that they've lost so brilliantly. But as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Harvard's president both plagiarizing their work and costing them a billion dollars, but she will not be fired. 
Talk about ridiculous job security. Now, this comes to us thanks to the New York Post. They noted that, quote, Harvard confirms Claudia Gay will remain president despite reported $1 billion loss over anti-Semitism scandal. This reporting us thanks to Melissa Koenig. And they continue to say, quote, Harvard University announced that under fire president Claudia Gay will keep her job, even though reportedly losing more than $1 billion in donations since her disastrous congressional testimony about anti-Semitism. The Harvard Corporation, the university's highest governing body, made its announcement Tuesday this week following a long night or long a night-long talks with gay and university leaders. A source familiar with the decision told the student newspaper, the Harvard Crimson. Quote, as members of the Harvard Corporation, we today affirm our support for President Gay's continued leadership of Harvard University. Our extensive deliberations affirm our confidence that President Gay is the right leader to help our community heal and to address the very serious societal issues we're facing, unquote. Here. Acknowledge that the university should have released an, quote, immediate, direct, and unequivocal con condemnation of the Hamas terrorist attacks on October 2nd, noting, quote, calls for genocide are despicable and contrary to the fundamental human values, unquote. Well, that's what they're saying, but their actions are saying, well, certain actions of violence are okay against certain groups, but not other groups. That's the mentally morally vacuous moralist story from harvard that's not the moral that we should be taking away but that's what they're telling us by their actions now they continue to say that quote president gay has apologized for how she handled her congressional testimony and is committed to redoubling the university's efforts to fight anti-semitism unquote they won't now regarding the accusations that gay plagiarized numerous portions of her 1997 phd thesis in a direct violation of harvard's academic integrity policies the Harvard Corporation said the officials, quote, became aware of, of claims of plagiarism in late October and initiated an independent review. On December, and this is quote, on December 9th, the fellows reviewed the results, which revealed a few instances of inaccurate citation, unquote. So it was just, a, this person didn't rip off other people's ideals, and they didn't rip, they just, it's not that she just stole other people's stuff. She simply, you know, forgot to have that adequate citation. Fascinating. This person to get into politics since we know a couple of very famous politicians who have done the very same thing. It used to be in society, if you're caught cheating, you would advocate for your position, you would you know, humbly resign. Nowadays, you get promoted or you get to keep your job. Great moral for the students at Harvard. Now, they continue to say, quote, while the analysis found no violation of Harvard's standard of research misconduct, President Gay is proactively requesting four corrections in two articles to insert citations and quotation marks that were omitted from the original publications, unquote. And of course, the fellow said, in this tumultuous and difficult time, we stand unanimously in support of President Gay, unquote. Which, of course, they go on to say, oh yeah, Harvard stands for academic freedom and we stand for all this. Yeah. But, as a wise man once said, actions, your actions speak so loud, I cannot fathom, I can't even hear what you're saying. This brass being one of the best examples of that. Now, it looks like a billionaire hedge fund manager, Bill Aikman, claimed that the board did not want to see him, that it was simply bowing to his public demands for her ouster. And he said, quote, I've been told now by two reporters that one of the factors that made it challenging for Harvard board to fire gay was that they were concerned it would look like they were kowtowing towards me, unquote. 
Quote, in other words, the reporter explained, quoting the trustees, had Bill stopped tweeting, we would have come to the right answer, unquote. Which makes Harvard look even more inept and moronic. Oh yeah, just because because someone called us out for our ineptitudes and our moral decay and lack of leadership, well, because they called us out, we're not going to do anything. We're going to double down on this. That doesn't make you look good. Now, let's see here. Now, this looks like Ackman has made a name for... He noted that as well as hit on the stage of reputation, Harvard suffered from a staggering financial loss from the scandal. He says, quote, President Gates' failures have led to billions of dollars canceled, paused, and withdrawn donations to the university, unquote. He says, quote, I am personally aware of more than a billion dollars of terminated donations from a small group of Harvard's most generous Jewish and non-Jewish alumni, unquote. Now, this is definitely not going to bankrupt Harvard since the name of their marketing is good enough in terms of people still res now, I don't know if they should, but they will still worship the name of Harvard, and it is a job guarantee for a lot of industries, and they have an endowment of multi-billions of dollars. So short term, this isn't going to hurt them too much. Now long term, maybe those donations start to maybe decrease the rate, but again, they're pretty well funded for quite some time. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's see. And fascinating enough, there is some fun comments. So going to the comments section, again, this is on New York Post. Andrew Douglas says, quote, Another Michelle Obama victory for DEI, but the good news is that the investment banks are now looking at highly qualified accounting, finance, and math and, and math state school juniors for prestigious internships, so ultimately the market works, unquote. I got 599 likes. And I, though I did not mention it previously, Miss... Gay is a African-American woman. Uh, I think the hair is really short. Yes. Yeah, it is a woman. And I think some articles are noting how she is the first African-American president of the school, which many are saying that's one of the reasons Harvard is hesitant to remove her. Now, another top comment, Charles Darwin. And good pun is people, little Darwinism. Now, Charles says, quote, of course she'll stay. She has too many affirmative action entitlements for them to get rid of her, and she doesn't have the class to resign. Let's see how the plagiarism allegations play out, but she'll survive that too, unquote. They got 839 likes. Other top comments come from Dino Marchata. This person says, quote, <coughs> excuse me, at the very core of her roles and responsibilities is fundraising, and she has lost $1 billion for the school. So if anything, they should fire her for her performance for this. It is performance-based. They have a way out that will not have anything to do with the social issues, and they should take it, unquote. Got 157 likes. Someone by the name of Benny from Brooklyn responded saying, quote, She wasn't hired based on any merit or performance, so why would they fire her over it? She is part of an exclusive protected class, unquote. They got 198 likes. Or as the youth might say, went viral. A lot of people comment saying she should have been fired. A lot of people saying donations are going to continue to de decrease with her leadership. Now, again, I need to fact check this, but this person says, quote, 
One billion is nothing. Harvard has a 51 billion endowment. The only thing that can be done to stop any current or future government grants to go to Harvard, maybe the reputation takes a bit of a hit to affect the hiring rates for graduates, which would affect their enrollment. Unquote. It got 54 likes. But it's also fascinating how Harvard pretty much just gives everyone good grades these days. An article a couple days ago noted how, oh yeah, the average GPA is up to 3.86, or sorry, the median GPA. So if you have a pulse, just go to Harvard, get in, and they'll basically make sure you get good grades. So, interestingly enough, does this change your opinion of Harvard? I mean, for as long as I can remember, Harvard has always been renowned for being a very prestigious school that people do everything to compete and get in. And you're guaranteed for life if you graduate from there. And some, truth be told, well, I was going to say a lot of politicians graduate from school. Perhaps that's the reason why we actually should not respect Harvard even even more. But do you think the sexual this is these instances will damage their reputation to the point where the donations just stop completely for a couple of years, or maybe just stop by ninety percent? Be fascinated here. What you have to say. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek Ramaswamy on Owen Schrober going viral, getting 1.8 million views. Now, this is a video that he's responded to, so I'll play the subsequent video. But the text from Vivek says, quote, Owen Schrober was sentenced to prison for speech, not violence, on January 6th for marching around the Capitol using a bullhorn and shouting things like 1776, no violence. Didn't enter the Capitol, that's it. The Department of Justice used, quote-unquote, evidence provided by the FBI to pursue this man and countless others. There's no greater threat to the First Amendment than the use of police power to silent political dissent. I've said it for months. On day one, I will pardon all nonviolent January 6th protesters and political prisoners. Hashtag free Owen. Again, that got 1.8 million views and 21,000 likes. And he is responding to this particular video from Owen. That's about two minutes long, so not too long. I'll go ahead and I'll subsequently play that right now. Owen Schroyer here, and I'm about to turn myself in to be a speech prisoner in Biden's America. Unfortunately, we knew that things would get this bad. Unfortunately, we knew the Democrats were this corrupt. And now I have to hit the front lines and be a speech prisoner in Biden's America. And as I go, I am currently involved in litigation to try to get my original Twitter account back at All I Do Is Owen, where I had over 300,000 followers, but I've been censored there for years. So in the meantime, while I'm away, I've launched this Twitter account at Owen Schroyer 1776. It's actually run by a media team. It's not run by me, but my media team who will be giving you updates while I'm incarcerated, daily updates while I'm incarcerated, sharing old video clips, new video clips, and as well as phone audio recordings and maybe even live recordings while I'm away. So please follow this account, at Owen Schroyer 1776, for updates while I'm away. And spread this video far and wide to let others know, hey, Owen Schroyer is back on Twitter right here at Owen Schroyer 1776. And that year, 1776, is extremely important, not just because it was the founding year of our country, but the U.S. government is arguing that it's illegal for me to say 1776 in Washington, D.C. Don't believe me? Check the U.S. government sentencing memo for yourself. 
They said that me chanting 1776 in Washington, D.C. is worthy of 60 days in prison. So, it's Owen Schroyer, 1776. Please share this video. Let people know I'm back on Twitter. And follow this account for updates while I'm away. Godspeed and God bless. Now, I don't know the full details around the whole incident around this gentleman, but at least he had the prudent decision to suit up, as every man should, because you always look better and more professional with it. And he went bumpy on, he even got the tie on, which it's been a couple years since I've done that. I don't think there's necessarily a couple of amount of dust on it in the closet, but it's been a while since I actually put on a tie. Nevertheless, going to the comments section, one of the very first most viral ones comes from Adam Adam Toblin. Again, I'm not a doctor, but if you click the subscribe button, it very well may help with my enunciation and my speaking ineptitudes. Could very well be the cure. I'm just saying it's worth a shot. Now, this person has a picture of the squad, and the picture that they're holding up, or the poster board they're holding out, says, let January 6th protesters rot in prison. And this person is also pointing to Hamas with a bloody knife, and it says, leave him alone. I got 360 likes. Now, someone by the name of Croxed Out says, quote, I hope VR remains a social, a vocal and committed to getting their freedom back, no matter what, who wins the White House. This is a miscarriage of justice, unquote. Got 264 likes. Let's see here. Mindy Robinson says, quote, and not a single... BLM rioter that looted, assaulted people, or set fires months earlier in D.C. was prosecuted or even looked for. And um, where exactly is the Jan 6 pipe bomber that they have the license plate for but won't release for whatever reason, unquote? I got 623 likes. P. Smith says, quote, free this man and protect free speech, unquote, getting 73 likes. James Jeanette says, quote, I thank you again, Vivek, for being the only candidate willing to say the hard things, the true things. It says a lot about you and your character and proves me you are in this race for the right reasons, unquote, getting 89 likes. So one by the name of Molly Pitcher simply has a picture that says, Democrats, we're the police state party, unquote, and has a picture of the Democrat logo. They got 361 likes. We do have some contrarian statements brewing to the surface. Someone by the name of Steven says, quote, tough shit, play with fire, you get burned, unquote. That did get three likes. The Dirty Dollar says, quote, this is insane. Seriously, Stalin is back. Also upsetting, though, are the Jan Sixers that did enter the Capitol and say they didn't. Degrades people like Owen, unquote, getting three, or sorry, two likes. Now, Owen Schrober responded saying, quote, Vivek, truly appreciate this. Thank you. Hashtag Vivek Ramaswamy. They got 952 likes. Janet Beckman says, quote, Thank you, Vivek. The corrupt DOJ and FBI need to go, unquote. Got 256 likes. Unstoppable Freedom Alliance says, quote, In jail for speech, the government is weaponized against political opponents, unquote. Got 172 likes. Yeah. America First simply says free Owen, unquote, getting 100 likes. 
So it looks like overwhelming positive responses. And it is fascinating, again, if this is a, this could be a winning move on the political chessboard. There seems to be a lot of support publicly, at least from this specific tweet. And yet, I have not heard, and again, maybe in two seconds DeSantis will post this or he'll respond or someone will jump on this bandwagon, but I'm not seeing a lot of other political candidates bring up the fact that on Jan 6th, there were some people who literally got a glorified private tour of the Capitol. One of them, I think, was an old lady who was stricken with cancer. The government still prosecuted her when the police, the video shows the police let her into the facility. And truth be told, in some instances, actually, the police guided them throughout the facility. So it is concerning that not more politicians, not more people are seeing, well, these, everyone's being treated pretty harshly. And some of these people didn't do any acts of violence. Some of them literally just, literally just walked around. And we only know that thanks to Tucker Carlson and the tapes actually getting released. Prior to that, we were told that every single person was extremely violent and they were a terrorist. So it'll be interesting to see, does this become a hot political movement? Does this get some momentum on the political playing field? Is it a quote-unquote winning topic for people to bring up during the, the nomination process? And then let me know in the comments, do you think this is something that Vivek should lean into or he should bring up more often and keep continue to highlight on the campaign trail? And do you think more Americans will start to relate to those types of messages? Be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Now, other interesting political news, you have Vivek Ramaswamy on how Republicans should approach the abortion topic, which is perhaps the most polarizing controversial topic in politics since I was a kid. Though the pessimists in me can't help but notice the main topics we argue about for hundreds of years, they never really get resolved. You might, if you're left, if you want to dissolve it into a left and right thing, you might get a quote-unquote win on your side every once in a while, but it's still the same core topics. And I can't help but notice, oh yeah, Republicans and Democrats both use these hot political hot buttons to raise campaign funds for both of their sides. So we could argue, have the same argument again and again and again. Now, that being said, there are some candidates who butcher it in terms of they just, they cannot, they, they almost seem to enjoy failure. You see this a lot in Republican parties, unfortunately. And they just, they just fumble their words. They don't approach the topic in a way that I believe you could win a mass audience or a mass voter contingency over to your side of the political aisle. I do think there are ways, I think there's, most Americans have a lot more in common than the politicians would like us to believe, especially when it comes to late-term abortions. A lot of people in the United States if you just pull people on average, very few people think you should be able to have an abortion at nine months. So I think I think overall, there's people that have more in common than we're led to believe. Unfortunately, well, but that, then they can't you know rally us up to get us riled up and have us donate more money to their causes. So perhaps that's why they continue to try to divide us. But nevertheless, that all being said, Vivek is choosing to pull up this, uh, bring this to the forefront on his campaign trail. And he brought us this tweet, and it, as the youth might say, it went viral. It got well over a million views, lots of comments. It got retweeted 2.3 thousand times. So, without further ado, I'll, it looks like he has a combination of a video as well as a little bit of a text. So, the, before the video, he actually says, "Quote: The winning path for the GO <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Quote: The winning path for the GOP on abortion isn't to compromise on our principles; is to practice what we preach." 
codify sexual responsibility for men into law. If a woman carries a child to term, she can automatically make the man the legal responsible party for the child if confirmed by a paternity test. It's not about men's rights versus women's rights. It's about human rights, unquote. American flag emoji. And so it's a little bit long. It's about 5 minutes, 47 seconds. And again, if you have suggestions for picture-in-picture production software, I appreciate any feedback because I try to make the show better and better. I'm still struggling to find a good, aka a simple, intuitive software where I can actually just have the picture and throw it up on the screen with me for production software, not post-production. So if you have suggestions, again, I want to make the show better and better continually, so I do appreciate any feedback, even if it's as simple as just telling me, hey, enunciate more, and I shall try to do that more often. So without further ado. Let's talk about the difficult issue of abortion. And to know what the path forward is, you have to know the path that got us here. I'm going to go very quickly through some constitutional history here. Roe versus Wade was an incorrectly decided case where the Supreme Court read something into the 14th Amendment that wasn't there. The 14th Amendment, among other things, ensures due process under the law. Well, that's about a procedural protection, regardless of race or otherwise. It is fascinating, too, if you actually look into literature and the statements from some of the older or old Supreme Court folks. Some of them, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she didn't think the logic in which they used to actually justify Roe v. Wade was proper at the time. She agreed with the outcome of getting that law, or to originally codify abortion into law, but she didn't agree on the actual mechanism and philosophy and the actual logic that they used in order to justify it. If the Supreme Court says, we're going to read that due process clause to somehow invent a right to privacy. That doesn't exist under the Constitution. Now, if you wanted to really make that interpretation, I would have at least made the argument for the citizen, for the privileges and immunities clause for citizens to say that there are at least certain privileges and immunities that the government gives you. If you really want to torture a reading of a right to privacy that protects abortion, you might have at least used Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, the Privileges and Immunities Clause. But nope, they didn't want to do that in the Supreme Court because of some long historical reasons related to the slaughterhouse cases. That's a longer history and a topic for another day. They went to the tortured interpretation of the substantive due process interpretation of the due process clause in the 14th Amendment. So they basically made it up. So what happened then about 50 years later in the Dobbs case last year was the Supreme Court overturned Roe correctly on constitutional grounds, not on the grounds of whether they like abortion or not, and that's what we need to understand, on the grounds of the Constitution of the United States, making the simple holding that the due process clause of the Constitution does not protect some unwritten right to privacy that includes the right to get an abortion. That's what the Supreme Court held last year, and correctly so. Great. That's a win for the Constitution. But now Republicans, I worry, are about to score an own goal. Look at every candidate in this race. Every other candidate who's on that debate stage was favoring some kind of federal ban. Even Nikki Haley, who really refuses to make her stance clear, when pressed, says that she would sign into law a federal abortion ban while offering a lot of mealy-mouthed atmospherics about nice-sounding statements that refuse to take a stand on the issue when she's forced to take some semblance of a stand even says that she would favor a federal ban. Let's go to the constitutional basis. The federal government does not have the constitutional authority to write a ban when the federal government doesn't give them, when the Constitution does not give the federal government that power. What do they say? The Commerce Clause. Well, any Republican who's going to use the Commerce Clause to expand the federal government's role should not be in office, period. What do they say? The 14th Amendment protects life. 
well, that's a more tortured interpretation of the 14th Amendment than the Roe versus Wade court brought to bear because that was never used for the basis for the federal government to pass murder laws or anything else either. So we have to stick to those constitutional principles. This is an issue for the states. And I want to mark my words on this one. More unborn babies will die in the next 30 years if we federalize this issue, because the next time Democrats then gain control of the White House and Congress, they're going to say that if this is a federal issue, they can then use that to legislate Roe versus Wade into law. That's a loss for the pro-life movement that I consider myself to be part of as well. True. So what's the right answer? States need to take action. And how do we do this in a way that doesn't compromise on our pro-life ish on our pro-life principles, but also allows us to win this next general election in a landslide? Here's the answer. Here's the punchline that nobody else is talking about. We have allowed the left to define this issue as a men's versus women's rights issue. It need not be that way. Here's how. Greater sexual responsibility for men codified in the law. Speaking as a man, here's what I favor. Laws that say, if a woman brings a child to term, then she at her exclusive option and right can make the man under the law the principal caretaker who's responsible for bringing up that child. We couldn't do this in most of our nation's history, but we can today because we have genetic paternity tests that are 100% reliable. If we're willing to do that, now a lot of men would say, wait, hold, hold on, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. That's the point. It's not necessarily comfortable for most men, but that's exactly what we need to stand for life, to say that it's not about men's rights or women's rights anymore. It's about human rights. And I, for one, am ready to walk the walk when it comes to being pro-life. If a woman brings that child to term, if she bears the pregnancy, she can then make the man responsible for actually raising that child. Now we're in this together. This doesn't have to be a losing issue for Republicans. With that simple plank, and I want to make that part of the Republican Party's pro-life plank, part of our pro-life policy platform, if we do that, then this isn't going to be a losing issue for us. I think this will be an issue where we're able to stand for life, stand for what Clarence Thomas said in that Dobbs case, that pregnant woman who's walking the street, and if her unborn child dies as a result of an assault, then that criminal should be held responsible for that death. Most Americans agree on that. And we give them the permission to say so if we codify into the law sexual responsibility for men. That's how Republicans win on this issue. There's not a single other Republican talking about it. If we make that the core of our pro-life platform, then we're going to be successful in making sure that abortion isn't some losing issue for us, but actually an issue where we're able to stand for our principles and still win elections as a consequence. That's the answer on abortion. Now, that being said, I thought in most states, you're already responsible if you're the man in that situation. And long term, I think the way to win the abortion topic would be from a cultural perspective where you actually talk to people about it, show them the consequences of their actions. I think that's where you'll see, I mean, man, what's much wiser than me once said politics is downstream from culture. So I think eventually that's going to be where the real quote-unquote wins are when it comes to the debate on the topic. It'll be interesting to see if this is a winning methodology. Because again, I thought in most states you're already financially and legally obligated for that. But let's go to the, let's go to the comment section. Usually the vacancy is between you know, maybe 70-80% positive, or if not more, positive responses when it comes to the Twitter, or 
as 18 people called X. So stop in the comment section, find out. Again, that got 1.2, specifically 1.2 million views and 15,000 likes. So not as many likes as normal. I mean, going the over, we were just talking about Vivek bringing up Owen Schrover, and that got 21,000 likes. Now, granted, the sample size, there are more views on that topic as well. That got about 1.8 million views. But let's go into the comment section and find out. Wayne Vaughn says, quote, men already... Men are already required to provide financial support to the children. They father, how is this proposal any different? How does this address the abortion issue? What am I missing, unquote? You got 316 likes. Someone by the name of Daniel Mitchell says, quote, excellent point, men shouldn't get a free pass, unquote. It got 506 likes. Now that being said, I let me know if you're, you're, maybe your state is different or the legalities are different, but I, I don't see a lot of areas where men do get free passes. Now, that being said, I don't think, from a moral perspective, men should step up, so to say, when it comes to these types of situations. Now, Soul Stricken also says, quote, Mandatory DNA tests for all and a fair shot at paternal rights for all men and the cycle of automatic parental rights for women, unquote. Agree. I got 1,000 likes. And I think that's one of the biggest issues when it comes to parental court. You have alimony, child support. There's, the whole system is skewed radically to support women. I mean, you have you have guys where they only, they're not allowed to see the kid and yet they're paying you know 80% of their income so that she doesn't have to work basically. So that's another big topic that I think, I think Vivek would actually have more traction talking about how father's rights is a huge topic. They, again, as long as they are a moral sound person, they're not a federal criminal, they should be able to, they should have the rights to see the child, especially if they're financially supported of the situation. That I, that is something that very very few people ever bring up parental rights, especially men's rights. I mean, when it comes to father rights, I mean, there might be one advocacy group out there, maybe, with a fraction of the support that the other side has. Let's see. James Jeanette says, "Quote: This is the next. This is the way forward. This is the vision and foresight America needs from the next president." Unquote. Got 168 likes. Avery L. Brooks says, quote, Vivek, man, you're growing on me big time. I hope this establishment doesn't find a way to bury you. Thanks for running when you've been the most pleasant and surprised this election. Keep smashing them, unquote. Got 1.1 thousand likes. God and Country says, quote, As of now, you're the only candidate left who's boldly speaking up for the unborn. You can judge a civilization on how they treat their children, unquote. That got 789 likes. Andrew Wong says, quote, One of the worst things that the welfare state has done was to make men not responsible for their children. We're still paying for the consequences of fatherless children and broken families, unquote. Got 263 likes. And it is a good point. It's no coincidence that once the government passed laws that incentivized single motherhood, the men disappeared for the equation. It was quite literally more fiscally attractive for the woman and the child to not have a father in the home, which is just morally vacuous to say the least. And the pessimist of me thinks, well, that's how you get them hooked onto the government programs. That's how you get them dependent. And that's how they will always vote for you because they're dependent on you. The government literally is destroying families with those types of methodologies. Personally, when it comes to family assistance and how to help them out, I think it is infinitely more effective and moral for local religious communities and local communities 
to help people out in general. So you have that direct relationship where you actually see the person that's helping you and the, we don't have this entitlement where people are just like, oh yeah, the government's just giving me free money. And yet, I mean, the, you just don't feel any sense of responsibility or well bit really part of a community when it's the government just giving you a check. And the data shows that once you get those checks, that usually they'll stay on them forever. They're, they're, so you're not actually helping the person. You're actually handicapping them, which is morally vacuous to say the least. Red Wave Press says, quote, this isn't a bad idea by Vivek. The problem is how do you put this into political practice? Vivek has a lot of good ideas, but he has never been a politician. He has no track record. Follow if you agree, unquote. Got 67 likes. Tay Tyergy says, quote, why can't he assert paternity? Why is it up to her, unquote. Got 28 likes. Rolo Tamasami says, quote, if confirmed by a paternity test, you will never get this past the floor. Utah tried it, failed. This is just electioneering trad con rhetoric until you can make the paternity test testing mandatory at birth, unquote, getting 81 likes. Now, just by a good default, it would probably be best if we did have paternity tests just by default when a child is born. It's astonishingly scary how unfaithful some women could be, where I believe there's some statistic that say as much as 10% of kids being raised by a father is not actually their kid, they don't know it. Which is morally vacuous to say the least. So I'm a fan of paternity tests always. Let's see here. Tiger, although it is a gentleman, it is not actually Tony the Tiger in the profile picture. Tiger says, quote, let's pose these real situations. One, a woman is raped and you want to force her to carry the rapist child to term. Then you want to force the rapist back into her life and child's life. Same scenario, but with a family member forcing himself on a woman. Answer, please, unquote. A cliche red herring argument, to say the least, that got 75 likes. It is fascinating and rudimentary when people keep using these red herring arguments. I'm not dismissing them, not saying they're not terrible situations, and absolutely sympathy if you're a victim, which is why I believe every woman should have a gun and be able to defend themselves. And any government that takes that right away from them is morally vacuous to say the least. Now, when it comes to the red herring of, they'll always say, oh yeah, well, these situations. And great way to disarm them if you want to make this a debate, if you want to turn it into a debate and maybe want to change their mind, is ask them, well, if you allow those exceptions, well, then will you say the rest aren't bad? And of course, they'll immediately say, oh no, I want all abortions. So it is fascinating that my whole life I've, I've heard that red herring argument. And if you just say, okay, well, what if we have a card off for that? The person will immediately say, oh, well, no, no, it's not, that's not the issue I want at all. So it's just, just shows, to show you they're not using it as an authentic argument. They're just trying to use it as a red herring. Uh, let's see. Mo Smith says, quote, with a DNA test proving paternity, unquote, getting 92 likes. Jerry Reinsfall says, quote, an issue for the states, not for the federal government, unquote, getting 64 likes. Which, again, there's a lot of speculation of why Republicans lost so terribly in the midterms, partially because they had a lot of inept moronic candidates, I believe. But another issue was, well, for decades, we've been saying the abortion-specific topic is a states' rights issue, because it is not, well, you can debate, and many people will actually argue that pro-life is in the original founding documents of our country based on freedom, uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But when it comes to the topic where we traditionally debate about the issue, a lot of people say, excuse me, Republicans say it's a state rights issue. And then as soon as it is relegated back to the states, now they want to make it a federal issue. Which, again, doesn't make you look, it makes you look terrible politically because, again, you're just flip-flopping. So, 
Back to the comments. 2V News says, quote, when the choice is between no abortions and unlimited abortions, people will choose the unlimited expecting the worst to not to happen. No abortions is a political loser, unquote. Got 55 likes. And let me know in the comments, do you think it is a politically losing or disadvantageous topic to address and a belief to promulgate if you're a political candidate? Is it going to kneecap you in the polls? Is there no way you'll ever get elected because of your stance on that specific issue? This is hmm, one of the most controversial posts from Vivek. And as we look at the comments, eh, it's not the usual 70 to 80% approval or rather positive responses we've seen when we're covering Vivek. So it'll be interesting to see, does this actually hurt him more than help him when it comes to the polls or the Republican nominee? Let me know in the comments. Do you think this, if properly addressed, could it be a quote-unquote winning topic that actually galvanizes voters to come to your side? Or do you think it will be the detriment and it'll actually hurt them more long-term? I'll be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Tesla recalling around 2 million vehicles. Now, this has come to us thanks to Emma W. Thorne, who's an editor at LinkedIn News. They specifically noted that Tesla is recalling more than 2 million vehicles after the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration ruled that its autopilot feature, quote, doesn't do enough to prevent misuse, unquote. They also noted that the NHTSA has been investigating Tesla for years and plans to keep the probe open while the company addresses its concerns. Tesla said it was set to roll out software updates and added controls mid-December. This is the second recall this year related to Tesla's self-driving features in all. It looks like the NHTSA has opened more than 50 special crash investigations uh, suspected to be linked to the specific technology. Again, this is why so many of these companies... It's one of those issues where they don't call it traditional autopilot or full autonomous driving for legal reasons, including legal, because it's it's not to that point yet. That's the, the what they think is the holy grail for automotive technologies. They think everyone wants it. Now, personally, I actually have a modicum of intelligence. I appreciate the driving, the rear driving experience, and I know that the best driving experience, bar none, is with three pedals and a good old internal combustion engine. Three pedals, also known as a manual transmission, also known as the most fun you can ever have while driving a vehicle, that's really the peak optimal for me. That's why I'm not a big fan of disposable EVs. Now, it's also kind of deceptive for them to say it's a recall because, again, unlike a traditional automotive company, a recall is very expensive and cumbersome, which scares a lot of investors. It's not great because it usually involves, well, actually not usually, it always involved physical items that need to be replaced, repaired, or modified. And in this case, it's not really a recall. No one's taking their Tesla vehicles back to the dealerships, partially because there are no dealerships or LA showrooms, but nevertheless, they're not physically recalling the vehicles because literally what they're doing, and of course it does later mention it in the article later down, it is a simply a software update. Now the software update will specifically make it harder for drivers to quote unquote misuse its autopilot driver assistance software. And because it's such a small impact on the business, you're not having to worry about the logistics of moving vehicles around, the huge cost of transporting physical parts for everything. It really didn't dent their stock, not even hardly at all. So it is fascinating to see as, again, these become more and more technology versus traditional automotive companies. 
you can have these updates just bang right over the good old interwebs and they can fix a lot of these issues. Now, in this case, I think they're going to make it so that, again, you have to have more and more human interaction with the interfaces, and which that's been a controversy for quite some time. Where you see people, will touch the driving little steering wheel every couple seconds because it's looking for human input because, again, the technology is not there yet. Even though there's some, some of them, they shouldn't be calling it autopilot, but some of them are. So, again, it's not a traditional recall, but, again, it also doesn't make the company look good because this is the holy grail technology they're striving for. And they keep advertising themselves as having the best tech, most innovative. So the end of the day, to have National Highway Traffic Association opening all these cases and getting another slap on the wrist, that is still the business blunder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Again, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of December. So if you click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, leaving a comment is a great way to give me some feedback and let me know how I can make the channel better and better and better. And I do apologize if there's a delay with my work schedule. I do try to read it and get back to all the comments in due time. Also, lastly, don't get to take time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.